Welcome to Five Strike Weekly, everyone. Well, the good feelings did not last very long for Atlanta United as they dropped a frustrating match to FC Dallas. This left a lot of us asking, what's next? We discuss all that and more, coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Strike Fam. I'm AJ, this is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. You can now also find all our content on the Genico USA platform anywhere in the world on Amazon Fire TV, Roku, iOS, Google Play, and many other streaming platforms. So guys and gals, it was kind of a mixed performance uh, as far as I'm concerned against FC Dallas on Saturday. 2-1 uh, loss, I mean, it's one of those where most of the performance is at least encouraging, but the finishing definitely very, very poor. Uh, and of course, yeah, the kind of individual mistakes, I think, are kind of our undoing in this match for sure. Uh, but yeah, on the whole, still, uh, I think, you know, positive signs to a degree. But I think, uh, you know, there is some dissension from fans and part of uh, the division of the fans right now that definitely put some blame on Frank DeBoer and maybe put some uh, blame, I think rightfully so, also on the players as well for their performance. But um, I think it's, you know, it starts off exactly how uh, we've been kind of uh, the past couple few matches where we concede early. Um, and yeah, against Jesus Ferreira, they just carve us up so, so quickly. I mean, just a very uh, kind of simple, uh, you know, playing through our press that wasn't really that intense. And I think, uh, you know, while it is good that we uh, are kind of seeing the press back a little bit again, I think uh, it kind of took Dallas out of the their initial game plan because that's what they do well is they do like to pass out of the back. Um, yeah, a couple balls and they're already sliced through our uh, pretty much six, uh, you know, in, in the front and in the, the middle. And LGP makes a boneheaded mistake and uh, they're right in very easily. Parker doesn't track back and it's, uh, you know, it's 1-0 to FC Dallas very, very quickly. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where we rake on over and over again. You cannot concede an early goal, especially at home, because at the bins, teams so often just sit back and defend. And this is one of those teams that does this to everyone. FC Dallas is one of the best teams at sitting back, absorbing pressure, and countering. And when you give up a goal that early, on what was a collective failure by the team, highlighted by an individual mistake by LGP, that's the sign of a team that's not playing well. So for all the good performance in, as far as you know, passing around the ball, creating uh -huh. chances. If you undo yourself at the beginning of every match, yeah. you're gonna be digging yourself a hole. And I'm not sure what LGP was trying to do going to ground at the midfield line. Yeah. He basically sells the rest of his defense out, which is already by itself because your attack and your midfield has been bypassed quickly. And then we highlighted the danger of Jesus Ferrer last week yeah. and our players to watch. He's one of those guys you had to watch out for. And you just give away a goal that early and it makes an uphill battle for the rest of the match when you're playing against a team as good defensively as FC Dallas. Exactly. I mean, because it's full credit to FC Dallas. They were kind of, uh, you know, are undoing in their strengths. Essentially, uh, what they did well in this match is exactly what hurt us. Uh, and they were incisive. They only had three shots. And yeah, they scored on two of them. And well, uh, you also have, yeah, in, in that play where they score the goal, it is, yeah, a Parky that doesn't even get to track all the way back because he doesn't have the recovery speed. 
um, which is kind of a problem in this match. Was yeah, we don't have that uh, you know that pace to be able to recover for any of the uh, you know the quick counterattack that they had. And um, I think it's the main culprit. I think also um, along with that uh, the error from LGP is the lack of intensity in that press where pretty much so much of our team is bypassed so quickly. I mean, it is maybe symptomatic, I mean, but it's also, uh, I mean, we haven't really pressed a whole lot this year as well. And so, um, you know, that lacking intensity is maybe just them not knowing what the trigger points are. That's that main part is, you know, they don't know when to actually all press together, uh, whether if it's, you know, passing it around from, uh, the goalkeeper to the defense and that's okay, you know, that's when we need to go or when, you know, the back line is trying to pass to the midfield. I mean, they, there's just nothing in terms of, uh, you know, cohesion in that aspect. Absolutely. And pressing is something that if you don't do it consistently and have a clear plan in how you're going to implement your press, it is very easy to get absolutely picked apart and have your lines broken with very simple balls. And that's something that's happening with Atlanta United right now because I don't think the team knows where their line of engagement is. Every team that presses, determined by that manager, knows where that line of engagement is. For some teams, think Liverpool two seasons ago, they were pressing off the get-go. As soon as that ball is played, they're pressing. That was very symptomatic of Pep Guardiola teams at Barcelona. They pressed very, very high up the pitch. Some teams drop a little bit farther back so that those teams that are attacking them leave space in behind. But Atlanta United so often seems that it's Ezekiel Barco chasing the ball, mm -hmm. trying to close it down, tiring himself out. I love the hard work and the effort from him, but, but you're it's wasting not, energy. But you're wasting energy. Yeah. It's, it's you're chasing a lost ball that you're never right. going to catch. It's like a dog chasing after a car. It's never right. going to get there. And if you chase in packs, it's a lot easier exactly. to block off those uh, those passing lanes. That's and important. If Dallas is able to look up and really find that pass, which is what they were able to do, that's just uh, anybody is going to be able to tear open uh, defense. And anybody as good as FC Dallas at doing that as well. So. Hunting in packs, though. Like, that's the exactly. thing. You always hear that phrase about teams that attack and press, well, attack through defense. Right. When they press high, they hunt in packs, they find the ball, they close all the passing lanes down. And that's just not something that Atlanta is doing right now. And I think that probably comes from the fact that this team still isn't sure exactly what its identity is. What system is it going to play? Mm -hmm. They've played multiple systems throughout the year that mm -hmm. have constantly been changing with different players and different mm -hmm. formations and different positions. And if you're constantly chopping and changing, it's hard to find any sense of consistency that will help you get that confidence to take those chances right. when you actually create them. Which is what's interesting. I mean, yes, the early uh, thought process on Frank de Boer is that yes, he's you know uh, a Dutch manager. He might be stubborn. He might be uh, kind of stuck in his ways because of his uh, you know philosophy and influence. Well, it's almost to a degree where he's maybe shipped all the way to the other side where there's maybe too much change and there's a lack of identity except for uh, the stubbornness probably in possession. And in possession, yes, um, you know, we're really in the 70% range almost every single match. Uh, but it, the issue is, is yes, as we all know, there isn't always the plethora of really, really quality chances coming from those type of uh, you know possession numbers because the lack of risk, the lack of uh, taking that chance with you know a through ball or going to the byline or uh, just you know something out of the ordinary 
uh, instead of just pumping balls into the box from distance and hoping that Jose Martinez, who's marked by three uh, three defenders, can you know get a foot on it. Or I mean, he was working as hard as he could. Really, I mean, you know, even like a little. Uh, Tecker video that they show today on Atlanta United's Twitter, it showed, yeah, I mean, like, he absolutely can keep the ball and, you know, try to dribble around them, but when you don't give him an outlet, he's pretty much marked, you know, behind him, on his sides, he doesn't, he can't get out, I mean, so he has to pass it back, and, you know, um, and that's really, again, still not his strong suit either, I mean, he's a guy that needs the ball at his feet in space, uh, whether it's a through ball, ball over the top, I mean, you know, I think we saw that later on, but we'll get to that. But, um, I mean, I think what's uh, kind of really interesting about this match still, though, is that, yes, we did get all those chances after they scored their second one, which, again, is that another point, LGBT like, At that point, though, when they scored the second, yeah, we've got a bunch of chances, but you've just basically gone 2-0 down with, what, four or five minutes exactly. to play. Yes, there's You're a bunch of added time on, but get more at that point, of course, you have to throw everything yeah. caution to the wind. Right. But yeah, that second goal was almost predictable in yeah. the sense that you have LGP, and I'm not sure exactly what he's doing. I get that you know, you're know you down 1-0, you're trying to attack. But for me personally, I don't understand why a center back will ever be on the wings trying to nutmeg a fullback for any reason. The center backs, I don't care how good going forward you are, no one here is Franz Beckenbauer. Mm -hmm. No one's making, if you're gonna make a run, run into the box. Don't yeah. be on the wings because when you're on the wings, you're completely out of position. And mm -hmm. I understand having cover, but that's yeah, the fullback's else, job. That, yeah, that's the fullback's else. job. Yeah. That's the winger's job. Mm -hmm. That's why you have wide men. They yeah. attack the wide space, mm -hmm. not a center back. And when he's not getting back to recover his position, obviously Dallas win the ball. They play it quickly to the wing. Miles Robinson does everything he can to close down the ball. But by this point, they've had a guy that just lung busted a 75 yard run. And LGP doesn't realize a danger until it's too late. Bish, right. bash, bosh, your two nil down game over. Right. And it's one of those things where it's mm -hmm. like, it's predictable. You can avoid these mistakes, mm -hmm. but when you make them, you just shoot yourself in the foot. And that's the problem with Atlanta United right now. It's not just the manager having the tactics wrong. The players are making individual mistakes, which is putting the team under pressure. Right, but this is, uh, and like our uh, friend Mark has mentioned, it's not dissimilar to what uh, has happened like last year, kind of around this time, uh, maybe more in June, probably. May but June, I think. May and June. May was Kansas City, June, or yeah. end of May, early June. In Seattle and in June and stuff like that, where there were a lot of uh, kind of very frustrating uh, low block defenses that we couldn't solve uh, and I mean, you have the two losses you have your three yeah. you have your loss at home to Red Bull you have your loss at home to sport in Kansas City and then right. you draw the two matches against Portland and Seattle right that's Where, that's a lot of drop points that if mm -hmm. I remember exactly last year we were all very frustrated I think I may yeah. have had a mini rant about it mm -hmm. but you're experiencing that right now. This is not something that's new, and you've uh -huh. seen this before. You know to expect this from right. It's just a different time frame different. in the season because, yeah, it's early on when our form hasn't really been there, but we've been able to uh, create the chances in a sense. Uh, that's where I think it's kind of a red herring, where, yes, we have all these chances, like, a, like we were saying later on in the match when we had to take that risk, when we had to push everybody forward, and that's kind of why we... Uh, conceded to begin with is because we were trying to make something happen. LGP, yes, does win, I think, five fouls, 
uh, which is really crazy as a staff for a defender. But should he be the one winning those fouls? Exactly. And so that's the the issue is, yeah, he was trying to probably do too much, make up for the mistakes that he was making. Uh, he arguably could have been off uh, on a second yes. yellow. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, this probably, unfortunately, was LGP's worst match he's played for LA United. Probably on par or probably... Yeah, worse there, thereabouts with that Minnesota, Minnesota United. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he, he wasn't even on the pitch the full time to give away. Goals. Exactly. So. so, yeah, where we were able to pull out that that result, and so at least, yeah, we were, uh, you know, result wise, in spite of the performance, we were able to, you know, pull out something. But uh, for this, that's where, yeah, I think, uh, you know, there is. Uh, the people that will tell you, yes, we had you know 22 shots, we had eight shots on goal. The XG was uh, higher than uh, ever, but uh, you know at least for this season. And so, uh, yeah. And in terms of the number of chances coming into this match, it's been rising. So yes, there is that. But you know when you have a team that's just gonna sit back. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of chances. They they weren't trying anything going forward except for uh, being ruthless when they do get that one chance. And so, yes, you know you do uh, you know let them be super efficient. I mean, two out of three. Um, you know, I mean, it's what they have. It's what Dallas does, and yeah. it's one of those things where. They, this happens they, all over football. To, 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 take, mean, to take a funny soundbite from way back from Monday Night Football, we are who they thought they were. They yeah. exactly, they, it was exactly what we expected, and Frank DeBoer said as much. It was exactly who we expected Dallas to be, and they beat Atlanta United mm -hmm. in a way that sh was so predictable, right. it, it's mind-numbing. And the, yeah. the, for me, I, yes, they expected goals higher, more chances created. There is no pattern of play that is mm. identifiable with this team and how they want to play. For a team right. that's so possession-based, there are so many, we don't know what to do, let's clip a long ball into the box to Joseph who's right. being surrounded by three guys. There's no ideas. Mm. And this is something that Devin touched on in his fan cam where they're bereft of ideas. What? Where is the creativity? What's going on? You have these incredible players, but so mm. often when you do manage to maybe break into space down the wing, yeah. Breck Shea or Tito Vijalba or whoever's in those spaces, they have one man in the box, and yep. it's Joseph. And he's surrounded by three people who are all six inches taller than him, mm -hmm. and they're clipping a ball into the box, hoping, praying yeah, for a second or a third runner who's right. never there. Exactly, and that's kind of the problem, and that's why I think it's a bad performance in that regard where there weren't the runners, there weren't the second man run, the third man runs, and so that's why you saw Gressel, he's late on that uh, you know, that ball that goes across where if there was a third man run where, yeah, he would just run onto it in rhythm, he would tap it in. I mean, it's it's something to that that degree where it's just um, you know it's frustrating because yeah we're taking desperate shots. We're uh, it's not as desperate as maybe a Seattle or Portland match where we're just pumping balls in and it's like not the right height. It's uh, you know too uh, too heavy on them or it's yeah it's it's to that degree where it's just just a little bit uh, where you know it could be. Um, just a lot better in a lot of regards, but it's I think it's encouraging at the very least uh, You know, I think when PT Martinez came on uh, those two well. balls over the top uh, Definitely were you know our best chances to score um, Sands the penalty of course, but yeah, I mean I think that creativity was needed I mean, I think you know someone like him that's gonna come into the team once he gets that confidence 
I think that's uh, you know kind of where that upswing can happen. Um, but pairing that with an Ezekiel Barco, who I yeah. think had another very good game, he was unlucky exactly. to hit the crossbar and the post. Mm -hmm. He's definitely showing some confidence in his ability to take shots on goal, exactly. whether it be from set pieces from outside the box. So that's an encouraging sign. I mean, mm -hmm. his his shot in the first half, where it was right outside that right footer that hit the post, mm -hmm. that was so unfortunate. Then to follow that up with an incredible free kick that was saved. Yeah, I mean. Uh, to go back, you know, to kind of touch on that Julian Gressel pullback, mm -hmm. when you think of the possession game played at its highest level in its purest form, you think of Pep Guardiola. Mm -hmm. If you watch Manchester City play, how many, like, how many goals for them, regardless of how deep teams sit, because that's all they do against City, you have a guy running down the, the, the wing, gets to the byline, crosses a square ball against the face of goal, and someone taps into the back post. Yeah. Every single time. That never happens for Atlanta United. You never have anyone attacking the front, or the back, or anyone charging through the middle of the six yard box. It never happens. And for a team that's built around a philosophy of possession and passing teams to death, creating overloads to where you create space via those overloads, there's not enough movement. It never happens. It's not enough movement. And you're no. also never gonna get that when you're playing a center back at fullback and you're playing Breck Shea at fullback, right. two guys who they have their roles, what they can do, uh -huh. but pace and being able to break down the wings and cross balls across the face of goal consistently, mm -hmm. that's not their game. It's, yeah, it's, uh, they're not, uh, FC Dallas is not like thinking that's a danger for them. Uh, they probably actually target our fullbacks. And uh, yes, I mean, in terms of Breck Shea, yes, he is limited to, uh, you know, many things, I think, but, you know, I think. He gets a, a lot, a lot of... Uh, he was you know, scapegoated a bit after yeah, this match in my Exactly. Opinion. I don't think it's even solely on him at all. Uh, yes, he's limited. I mean, that's what he is. I mean, he's not super quick. Uh, I mean, in the box, probably, you know, he's tall, but he's not going to win you a, a ton of uh, balls in the air. Uh, I think it's a lack of effort maybe for that. But, um, you know, he does have... The, uh, the cross sometimes, but it's a matter of, yeah, like we were saying, there's no one in there because Joseph is marked by three people. Like, what's Breck's, like, a lot of people complain yeah. that Breck crosses to no one, but he gets to the byline or he gets into a dangerous position, and what's he gonna do? Stand there and wait for the rest of the team to catch up. He has to cross into the box. It's not his fault that no one else is there. You have to, you don't always know if there's a guy there. You have to rely upon your teammates in that connection, knowing you have people attacking the box. Yeah. But if it's never happening, what's he supposed to do? Turn around and pass it backwards? If, right. if he did that, everyone would boom even more. Right. So and which it's kind he, of a damned if you do, yeah. damned if you don't kind right. of a thing. Fullback. I think his his reputation, like Frank DeBoer, has preceded him. Yes. And that's where I think a lot of the bias probably comes from for a lot of people. Um, and I think, yeah, we just have to be a little bit more objective on a lot of this where, um, you know, yes, like for me, and this is where I might get a little bit, uh, you know, uh, soapboxy is for me as a fan, like I don't really uh, like to, you know, at any point boo any of the players or coaches. I understand if you do, I understand the frustration and the tension uh, and the angst that you might have. But uh, you know, if anybody's employed for Atlanta United, I always back them 100%. And so I think um, you know, with that, you know, I don't have any biases against uh, you know Breck Shea. Like, yes, if he doesn't perform, then absolutely, like he's you know he shouldn't start for me for the next game. And I think that's kind of also formationally what uh, Frank de Boer he's had to deal with is so much uh, health issues which is a valid excuse, uh, whether people want to actually uh, think so or not, 
yeah, having Franco Escobar, you know, not in there is a big, big miss. But I think it's a bigger uh, indictment on the club in the front office for not bringing in a body, a body for, you know, the somebody that can at least, at least, at the very least, defend the position and get forward just a little bit. He doesn't have to have a good cross. He doesn't have to uh, be speedy like Franco Escobar. But when you have a Michael Parkers who is limited in that degree, where yes, he's very solid and he's got the, the wiliness and a veteran presence and experience, yes, he can at least defend properly, but that's just not his position. He's being, being played out of position. And that's why like, it's not, like you can put the blame for him not uh, tracking back, but I mean, basically he doesn't have the, the pace to get back to begin with. So it's not really on him. No, absolutely. I, I think, in terms of positions where once your legs are gone, you are done, yeah. fullback is the one position which is possibly the harshest on the pitch. Especially in the modern game. In the modern game, modern everything fullbacks. else, yeah. you can adjust your game to do certain things, to play in a different way. Fullback is not one of them. And to play in this system, fullbacks are so incredibly important. That's why, and I hate to keep talking about a team that I despise, but first season for Pep Guardiola at Manchester City, they finished fourth, didn't play well. What did he go and do? He bought three new fullbacks because he didn't have any to play the system. If you don't have fullbacks that have legs that can get up and down the pitch and become involved in your attack, but have the work rate to come back, whether it's Barcelona, whether it's City, I don't care where it is. If you're playing a possession type game, you have to have fullbacks because you need them to get forward to create those overloads on the wings, to create those spaces for players to run into, but also have the ability to run back and track back then you shouldn't play that style. Then you shouldn't play that style if you don't have the players. And right now, Atlanta is trying to play a style that it does not have the players to play. Yeah. And for me, this is where it comes back to the club because I think a lot of people are justifiably upset and that's the club's fault. And to a degree, it's not Frank DeBoer's. Frank DeBoer, before he was even hired, there was talk coming out of the club of wanting to win the Champions League and the MLS Cup. On the stage at the kit reveal, Darren Eel says, what, what's a good idea? What's a good season for him? I don't know, a double of the Champions League in the MLS Cup. Before a ball has even been kicked, this is the pressure and expectation being put on DeBoer to play a specific way that you do not have the players to play it. You have to have technically good players at every position to play a possession-based game where you're going to break teams down passing. And, and the depth. Yes, and the depth. I love the long-term goal. I see it. But Atlanta United right now are limited by the league because they can't go out and spend whatever they want. I would be a lot more angry if Atlanta had went out and spent 50 million on a whole team, center backs, left backs, right backs, whatever. They haven't done that. They are limited. They, right. they are trying to do the best that they have. They need to go get a fullback. That is yeah. very apparent. If yeah. they don't address that in the summer like they addressed the midfield problem with last Rometti. year with the signing of Eric Rometti, then that's serious questions about what the front office is doing. You desperately need fullbacks either on the left or the right. I don't care, you need them. Because right now, you're carrying players. Yeah. And you can't afford to do that. You're carrying one, two. If P.D. Martinez plays, he's not going to give you anything defensively. And if he's not a, a, doing anything on the offensive end, mm -hmm. he's a complete passenger. How do you expect to win games if you cannot execute your game plan right. because players are being asked to do something that they cannot do? That's not, yes, to a, fault, to a, a degree, it's the manager's fault because mm -hmm. he's, asked, he's trying to play this style. Mm -hmm. But if he's been asked to play this style and yeah. given these players... It's not really his fault when he fails trying to do something he has been asked to do. Agreed, agreed. And uh, yeah, I mean, it also comes down to, uh, though, in this match, uh, that Atlanta United, the attackers did not finish the chances. 
Uh, Gressel had a chance. Breck Shea had a chance that arguably I think was our second best chance. It was a decent score, chance. Uh, because that ball at the top was perfect. If he had taken it first time, he would have scored probably if he had put it uh, side net. Uh, but I think, yeah, he takes that touch and he takes his angle away and it's gone. And uh, he hits it right pretty much hand height at the keeper. It's, uh, you know, Easy, easy uh, catch for the uh, the keeper, and as well, you know, we haven't talked about where Jesse Gonzalez did. Yes, he stand, stand he stood on his head in this match, but he also sat on his ass. Yeah, and he also yeah, exactly, and so the amount of time wasting that came from FC Dallas, I think, needs to be looked at by the pro referees uh, because it is in such a degree that uh, it is it is damning. I think the uh, the lack of. Uh, kind of gall from the the referees in this match too. Uh, they essentially, I think they lost the plot for me. Um, you know, there should have been yellows earlier. There should have been more frequent uh, for the amount of just uh, fake injuries as I mean, well. How often they just fall to the turf, which yeah. must have been very comfortable because it was brand new because they really love being down on it. Right. Going to the turf, pretending like they were hurt, getting up, going off, yeah. coming back on, everything's fine. Right, which, you know, Fair play for some of the shithousery. There, there but, is professional shithousery, yes. but this is stupid. Yeah, this is where it's, uh, and we'll get to it in the Waste Man of the Week, where it is just absolutely, um, yeah. Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling how it, it got even allowed to get that far. Uh, and Frank DeBora did mention it after the match. Yeah, he uh, said it happened from, you know, the minute one, and I agree. I mean, it's just, you know, we were booing, I think, lustily, for that very early on. Maybe it started to get in the fans' head about the booing, and they booed later on, uh, you know, maybe, I don't really know what they were booing about because I wasn't part of it, but um, they were booing maybe the players, maybe Frank DeBoer, I'm not sure. Performance, everything. I think yeah, when you but, look at it, it was just everything combined yeah. made for a very frustrating afternoon right. for Atlanta. And it, I think it was just kind of one of those days uh -huh. in the terms of if you hit the post that many times and your chances sure. just... Guys that you expect to finish chances like Joseph at near the end of the second half, mm -hmm. through on goal, misses mm -hmm. a chance. It can be kind of chalked up as one of those days, but also it's mm -hmm. just like when FC Dallas does that stuff, it kind of takes yeah. a little bit away from their performance because it's like, yeah. really? Like, yeah, because really? that, that is what's frustrating uh, during the match is that you're having to wait five minutes on a player and you know they're down seemingly for no reason. They're grabbing their head, um, and that takes away some of the momentum that we actually were having in the match. It was, you know, and actually allowed them to probably, you know, talk about some tactics on the sidelines, get situated, and figure out, okay, what do we need to do to actually stop their momentum right now? And yeah, it's it's really, uh, I think, yeah, with good reason there that it can be agitating. Um, There's a way to do it professionally, and I guess yeah. to the degree they did the perfect job of what they were trying to do. Sure. But there and they has got away to, with it. There so. has to be a medium where you can have a form of professional time wasting. I right. understand there's ways of seeing out games. Mm -hmm. Every team does it. But this was ridiculous. I mean, I was watching on TV and I was getting frustrated already knowing what had happened. Right. But sitting here, especially, again, we'll get to the keeper later because yeah. he's fun. But... <laughs> All these players consistently going down over and over again. Like you said, at what point does the ref kind of understand they're not hurt? Yeah. Like, <sighs> yeah, I, I, I think I think he it. yeah I think he realized too slow. But uh, in terms of you know how that leads into the fans, where there is that uh, that angst from having to just sit there wait on nothing. 
uh, and yeah, we're booing that. And then, you know, I talk about uh, the booing that happens afterwards or maybe the even the uh, the walking out early from the fans, which looks terrible on television and only adds fuel to the fire for our uh, you know, opponents, fans, and whatnot that uh, they're gonna be like, oh, I told you so. These uh, these fans are plastic. They, you know, um, you know, they were never uh, there for the full 90 anyway, and that type of stuff. It just adds fuel to the fire. And you know, for uh, you know, Devin's fan cam, I think I mentioned for shame uh, because yeah, for me, I don't think it's uh, something that you know. I don't think the ultras are doing, but I think it's maybe more of the casuals where, yeah, they're maybe leaving a little early because for one reason or another, but for me, I think it's, well, what, what else do you have to do? You're here for the Atlanta United match. Just stay for the entire thing. Oh, you're gonna save, what, five, six minutes on traffic? I mean, is it really that big of a deal? I mean, I think, uh, I think it's maybe in that sense where I think, uh, you know, for the more uh, kind of, Atlanta United till I die type of uh, fans like you want to see everybody stay till the end but I understand if you don't um, but I think it just looks bad on what has been lauded and uh, in the world as a just unique fan base that's doing different things that uh, you know we stand for full 90 and you know at the kind of you know first few signs of a little bit of uh, turmoil and you know obstacles you you know we, we can't wither this easily I think you know we have to be better we have to be uh, you know more together as a fan base and like I said if you're gonna uh, stand against something and protest uh, the play if it's really that bad then do it together but you know walking it you know kind of split up and it's like a half empty stadium I mean, or probably, you know, maybe two-thirds full stadium, something like that. It still is not a good look. I mean, when you have 45,000 people a game, though, if you have 10,000 leave, you still have 35,000, which I'm pretty sure is more than anyone else in the league. So, like, still, it's yeah, not so. that bad. For me personally, I'm not too upset about this particular instance because 86 minute or so, you're down 2-0. You're clearly not going to get a win. At this point, you really want to watch sideways passing and nothing happening for the next... 10, 15 minutes because the the added time added on did drag on with Joseph mm -hmm. getting that penalty and that whole rigmarole. So I can understand. It ha I, I see it happen whether it's in the UK in the Premier League or in yep. France. It happens at the end of the game. I'll be more concerned if people are leaving early, early, or if you stop seeing the crowds. But there also has to be the point of, like you kind of said, you have to be stronger because we're kind of in a down period right now with Atlanta United. They're not playing well, it happens. But also, you kind of have to have that support to spur the team on because if they see you in the stands and you're spurring them on, even if it's the whole stadium that stays till the end of the game and then they boo, at least the whole sta the stadium right. was full because they backed the team. They wanted to see what you could do to the very end and nothing happened. The players care, the players know, but you, as a fan, you have to understand that there are there is gonna be tough times. It's going to happen. We're in one right now. What's gonna happen? I don't know, you don't know, no one really knows. If it keeps going bad, then yeah, I'm gonna mm -hmm. be right there with everyone else booing if mm -hmm. this play continues to be turgid and nothing happens. But right now, we're what, six matches into the season, there's 28 matches left, there's a whole lot of things that we can do better. Mm -hmm. The best of teams have bad runs. At the end of the day, I'm like you, I'm gonna support this team every single minute of the day and hope that they can win and have to believe that they can win because wanting this team to lose and 
actively seeking the failure of people involved yeah. is just not something that crosses my mind. And that's coming from someone who had to deal with Jose Mourinho as their manager. And at the end of the day, mm -hmm. I would still rather see my team win, even if it means the person I don't like that's in charge still being there. Because the club and winning is more important than individual egos or whatever it right. is. Exactly. Or proving your individual biases against uh, certain uh, coaches or players or any of that. I mean, I think it's really, yeah. You, of course, you can be critical of uh, these performances and, and whatnot because that's what sports is. That's you know, and they're they're not the good. So yeah, by all means, I'm not saying that people don't have a right to their yeah. opinion of wanting either it's to board or distraction. That's what sports is. Exactly, and I fully understand why people are frustrated, why people booed, why people left. Me personally, that's just not how I am. Yeah. I'm gonna. I've already I, I paid my season ticket. Yeah. I'm gonna be there all game mm -hmm. because. I, what am I gonna miss in the last few minutes? You might see a goal, I mean, who knows? I think it's just on a whole, uh, you know, the fan base needs to get together on this because yes, people are, I think, afraid of what uh, the ghost of sports past has happened in Atlanta where Atlanta Braves, uh, you know, the fans kind of took for granted the uh, the playoff chase and the, uh, the playoff run that we had where it was 18 straight, I, I believe, um, and yeah, you have Atlanta Hawks who have been kind of bang mediocre for just their entire uh, existence pretty much. They have much. Trey Young now, they're balling out. Um, and you have, yeah, also Atlanta Thrashers who, yeah, they were a new team as well. But yeah, yes, they didn't win, but they weren't the most well-supported either. On some certain periods of time, they were. But uh, yeah, I think once... You know, the Winnipeg owners, yeah, like once they were already set in, then people kind of knew what the uh, the writing on the wall was. Uh, you have that, you have Atlanta Falcons where, yeah, I mean, you know, there has been a lot of mediocreness and yes, a lot of empty seats. And that's where, uh, you know, people are, it's a lot of transplants in this city. And yes, me, so that's, that's why I'm not really worried about this sure. because for me, you've won a championship in your second season. You're on the whole, the club is heading in the right direction. The league is heading in the right direction. The sport is growing. You have people that have never become soccer fans who are becoming fans, which right. is why you need to continue to play well. Right. But for me personally, I'm not overly worried about it yet because I just think it's a short-term thing. Yeah. If there, if you again, if you see long-term issues, right. then you have a problem. But for I just, me, I, I want to nip I, in the butt. I get your, I, I understand a person yeah. who's Atlanta-born and bred being afraid, but I'm not. Not Atlanta-born, but yes. Well, yeah, you get what I. <laughs> but you're Atlanta through and through. Atlanta, Atlanta you're Atlanta plus. through and through with yeah. your sports and in yeah. this city, and you live and breathe it. For me, I, I'm, I'm just not worried about it yet, but. I get the fear, but I think Atlanta is different, and I've always said that from day one. Yeah. Again, maybe that's my ignorance in being a transplant, but something about this team seems different. Whether or not they're struggling, I'm not worried about things mm -hmm. falling off. I think things are gonna be okay at the end of the day, which is why I'm managing to stay positive through all this because I believe things will be okay. Yeah, now if things do get a little bit uh, where performances are slipping and results are not in our favor, then yeah, I think that dissension is rightfully so gonna get louder and I will be with you guys on that type of thing. And that gets and, back to the point of yeah. things do have to improve. Exactly. Because to kind of wrap this match up, uh -huh. and because there's a lot more we have to definitely get into yeah. today, because today was not a slow news day. No. Th this performance was meh. It was somewhere in the middle. Yeah. It needs to improve. You have to get a win next week, which we'll talk about in the preview because you have big games on the horizon. Right. But I, I, you can only trot out the it was an improved performance line 
so many times before right. it's enough. Because and especially excuses yeah. run out. Especially after the Columbus Crew match. I mean, yes, that definitely was a you know okay you know there was that and then so you have to prove your point now here with uh, New England Revolution, which we mostly did uh, with an away uh, win on the road and a shutout. So that's that is why it's encouraging and that is why there was like okay you know if we can keep this up then there is uh some you know maybe uh bluer skies on the horizon but for this match i mean it's a step back whether you like it or not i mean the result was not there the performance was halfway there and so yeah i mean i think there's still needs to be seven able... out of nine points at exactly home this at season. home that's and if you can't pick up points away yep. you have to pick up points at home yep. and right now atlanta are doing neither which yep. is why people are frustrated and which is why it's yep. so critical that this team and the manager need to start turning things around because the longer yep. this continues on the louder those dissenting voices are going to grow yep. the more people you're going to see walking out at the end of matches when the game is lost I hope not, and but... that's a problem but if, yeah. if you turn results around and can get mm -hmm. things going, which these players are capable of doing, right. because this team won a championship at the end of last year. Just four months ago. Just four yeah. months ago, or five now at this yeah. point. It's possible, not possible, it's probable. These guys are good. They haven't forgotten how to play soccer. Yeah. So it's just get bad. things going, it's damn bad. it. Yeah, it's bad <laughs> form, and it's also a lack of confidence and conviction, in my opinion, uh, because yeah, if you, Cannot, uh, you know, if you don't think you're going to score, which is what Julian Gressel said uh, this week, is that, yeah, they actually think that, uh, you know, when, when they actually get in front of goal, you know, I'm not really sure if I'm actually going to get this one in. And that's a terrible mindset if you're in front of goal. You have to be cool. You have to be icy. And they just don't have that right now. If and you don't believe the ball is going to go in, yeah, it's probably not going to go in. Exactly. And that's more often than not, it's probably not going to go in. Um, but... I mean, you know, some of the other things that were said after the match, Frank de Boer talked about how, uh, you know, if we play like this for, you know, you know, extended periods of time, then we're going to win 28 out of 30 matches. Uh, that's where I disagree is where it's definitely, uh, if it's this mixed, I mean, if you, uh, you know, can see that early, you um, pretty much have you know, just individual errors that just are your undoing. And a lack of chances created until after yeah. you're 2 nil down. Exactly. And where, you know, your lack of finishing, I mean, it. that's the thing. It's like, that's where the finishing will get better. That's where the XG stat, yes, does come in. And it's like, okay, yeah, that is slightly encouraging if uh, these guys can put it away. But, yeah, you've seen guys um, in other leagues that, you know, they once were really good strikers and, you know, their, their XG might be high, but for one reason or another, yeah, their conviction in their strikes isn't there. Like, a, say, Radamel Falcao. Fernando Torres. Fernando Torres. I mean, you know, they just fall off a cliff off of that. I mean, it's... It's a lot to do with what's between the ears, I think. So I'm not worried about that with Jason. Yeah, exactly. I think he's got enough confidence, and I think this penalty hopefully will uh, really kind of spur him on in that mindset of really being the uh, the mean face Joseph that we uh, want to be. Sometimes all I got to see is hit, hit the ball hitting the back of the neck. Exactly. Me, and then you'll be good to go. So yeah. he's going to have a good chance of that, but we'll break that down later. Yeah, indeed. But uh, guys, let's move on from this match uh, slightly where uh, we get into the news where Dion Pereira got his MLS debut. Uh, that's where, I mean, 
you know, it was maybe good to see him come on, but you thought maybe the substitution might not have been the, uh, I didn't, the right person. I didn't understand the, the substitution because right. you're chasing goals, so you bring on an attacker for an attacker. Why not take off Michael Parkhurst, have Julian Gressel play as a wing back, play Deion Pereira higher up? I mean, you still had a sub left at the end of that game. Exactly. Yes. You have a Romario Williams sitting on the bench. You have exactly. an Andrew Carlton sitting on the bench. You're chasing goals. Right. Why are these more players attackers. not on the field? Yeah, like it doesn't <laughs> like it doesn't matter at this point, you know, the uh if we get scored on one more time. I mean Yes, to a degree, because, uh, you know, goal difference and whatnot uh, sometimes, but I think you're chasing this game. You tr you're trying to get a result. Like, you have to put, you know, as many your attackers people on. forward while still mitigating that risk, and I think you could have. I mean, in terms of uh, still on the pitch was Jeff Lorenowitz, still Miles, still LGP. If you have them three back, you can still have, uh, you know, and if you're instructing LGP to stay back, then, you know, I think you're at least going to uh, be a little safer in the back at that, that point. But so congrats, that's also. But, but congrats again to him before yes, we jump too indeed. much into it. Because <laughs> without going on for this game for yes. ages, which is easy to do because yeah, there's just so, so much, much about it. Yeah. But congrats to Dion Pereira for his debut. Yes. Hopefully the first of many indeed. and some better results to follow as opposed to right. this one this past weekend. Indeed, indeed. But uh, yeah, some, uh, you know, XG stats that may annoy some people, uh, but I think is still very interesting um, and kind of adds a different perspective of uh, Atlanta United season so far. Uh, from Analysis Evolved, uh, that Twitter handle, uh, great kind of statistical analysis going on with them. Um, yeah, it says that LA United is third in the East in home adjusted expected goal differential. That's a mouthful. Yeah, and uh, that means it's pretty much that, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we still have really, really uh, just a ton of chances at home, which is, yes, uh, what you want when you're playing at home. I mean, you want to be able to be the one getting the lion's share of uh, the chances. But um, just not hitting the back of the net because yeah. at the end of the day, that's all XG is, is kind of a stat. But maybe right. it kind of takes away from the idea that they're not creating a lot. They right. are. It's just not going in. I don't fully buy into that right. because I think... it's still what's between the years. Yeah, it's still what's yeah. between the years and also how those expected goals have kind of come about right. and what those chances that have gone to that stat have come from. It's kind right. of been when games are gone or there are half chances that have added up because... Right. Well, if you have the ball 70% of the game, you're going to have a lot more half chances here and there that will add up to that. But right. I definitely think it's an interesting perspective on things. Right. But at the end of the day, if the ball's not hitting the back of the net in the actual match, it doesn't really matter, does it? Right. And uh, so the beta version of their playoff seeding projections also gives Atlanta United still a 68% chance to make the playoffs. Now, I mean, you know, that's seven spots in the playoffs, so it's still, you know, of what, 12? Well, you're so. three points back right now of the team ahead of you and you have a game in hand. So, right. I it's, mean, it's not like they're far outside of touching distance of the playoffs right now, right. but if you keep digging this hole you're in, it'll right. be much more difficult to get out of it. Right, and we have to perform on the road if that is the case because, yeah, if you uh, yeah, are in one of those kind of lesser uh, part of those playoff spots, then, yeah, you probably have to play on the road, and that's not encouraging if we're not performing. Uh, but let's move on from that, and let's get on to where, unfortunately, Joseph's aunt's car got vandalized after the match. Um, and yeah, it's according to as.com and um, yeah, in Mundo Hispanico that had the exclusive on that apparently. But um, yeah, it's just, 
I mean, I don't know who it was. I mean, it could have been anybody, really. Could have but been random. Yeah, it, it couldn't have. It, like, it could have been where it wasn't even a fan. It could have been somebody else. Um, you know, just roaming the uh, the parking lots. It's kind of one of those Whatever things that is. happens around that part of town. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> but it's sad to hear. I'm glad that though uh, it was reported that nothing uh, was stolen and everybody was okay, but a window was smashed. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if you know anybody that is doing that, I mean, then, you know, you should probably, uh, you know, <laughs> call the cops. <laughs> but Apparently the cops are actually really useless in this whole scenario as yeah, well. Yeah, so. took a long time to get it done, which is not surprising, <sighs> it's just, actually. It just but, wasn't yeah. a good Saturday yeah. for anyone involved with Atlanta and I. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean to uh, bash cops at any point on that. It's just I've had my, uh, you know... Uh, you know, a traffic thing happened here and there, and it's like, oh yeah, I mean, that took about an hour and a half. Great. Yeah. Um, I understand. It's a busy city, though, so uh, let's move on, though. Uh, yeah, one of Atlanta United supporters groups, Footy Mob, got a awesome documentary with Roger Bennett of Men in Blazers and uh, Reggie McKee, uh, one of the capos of Footy Mob and Atlanta United, of course. Uh, yeah, I mean, just he got a little spotlight awesome to see well deserved should, as well yeah. the, the impact he's had on the community exactly. and what he does and what everyone does through not just footy mob yeah. but all the supporters group but in this specific highlight of footy mob it was a great documentary it was right. done by roger bennett and espn yes so if you haven't had the chance to check it out go check it out a little bit of love a little bit of good feeling just to make everything kind of feel a little bit better right now for right. Atlanta United. And yeah, this is the capo that kind of brought on uh, We Ready as, you know, kind of our, you know, I think our... Uh, Anthem almost. Yeah, exactly. You'll Never Walk Alone right before matches. It really pretty Thank much Thank God is. it's not You'll Never Walk Alone. <laughs> and yeah, and so it's stuff like that. I mean, he's uh, brought on a lot of very, very memorable and iconic chants at this point that... Uh, yeah, just keep it up, Reggie. Yeah, you're a boy. But um, yeah, and so uh, also uh, a familiar face from the Academy, Zion Jones, has signed with the Charlotte Independence after unfortunately not getting a, uh, a contract with Schalke. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you, you like to see guys that unfortunately... Yeah, we weren't able to sign him for LNA2, probably because we have a glut of forwards and whatnot. But, um, you know, he's a guy that is a pacey, powerful winger. Uh, I mean, I, hopefully, yeah, he kicks on really well for Charlotte Independence. Uh, he's a guy that, yeah, I, I was shocked when he wasn't signed initially. And um, Hey, maybe yeah. if he plays really well for them and it works out, we'll just be like, hey, we'll have you back now. Right. So, but Indeed. getting into another more MLS-specific bit of news that, to me, doesn't make a whole lot of sense at the moment. MLS has announced that it has the design to span, sorry, to expand to 30 teams. It already has 28, I believe. They will be adding Sacramento and St. Louis. I believe that Detroit is also on that list as well. They have Miami, but that's currently not really doing too hot. No one really knows what's happening there. So I'm kind of in the mindset of MLS might need to slow its roll a little bit. They've added yeah. some really good expansions recently. They have yeah. some really passionate fan bases, but I don't know how a league, a soccer league no less, is going to yeah. look with 30 teams. I mean, yeah. I don't want to sound like a Euro snob, but I'm used to between 18 to 22 teams in a league. You play everyone twice. I mean, it just won't happen it's not going to happen. Yeah. You're starting to get to the point where... Supporter Shield's going to mean less because there's no competitive balance in your scheduling. Right. I have no idea what they're going to do or what the stopping point's going to be because right. it's and really growing really quickly, which isn't a bad thing. I love right. to see the sport growing, but I'm not really sure what the model or the plan's going to be. Right, and I don't think you'll, you'll see promotion and relegation 
soon. No, at all, I think that's uh, because uh, the expansion fees just to get these teams in, it's getting up there, and I think it's starting to be where I think the last ones are gonna have to pay two hundred million. Uh, in expansion fees just to get in the league. And so that goes to That's everybody, all the owners and, of course, MLS. Um, yeah, I mean, it starts to, you know, you start to get questions about uh, the... Um, maybe, ethics? Yeah, the ethics, uh, the absurdity, maybe? I saw a really interesting article on Deadspin that... And, and, it compared MLS in a sense to yeah. a Ponzi scheme almost. Take that with that, a grain of salt. Take that course. with a grain of salt, yeah. of course. But they kind of had some valid points where you have new teams coming in and you have, say, your Robert Crafts or your Stan Kroenke's who do nothing and they're getting, what, $20 million check every single time one of these new teams come in and they're not really doing anything to add to the league. And there's these old guys that don't really give a crap about yeah. soccer getting large money payouts for the league growing. And for me, that... It just doesn't really sit well because you have these fan bases and these teams that are coming in that want to play, that, that want to improve their communities with these teams. And then you have other teams that are the exact opposite, that don't really give a toss. And it's like, maybe instead of adding more new teams, you might want to think about getting rid of some older ones because what are they really doing for your league at this point in time? Mm. So I'm glad to see the sport expanding, but yeah. I definitely think there's some question marks there about how they're doing it and what the final goal is. Yeah, I don't know if uh, contraction is going to be something that's on the horizon either, so it's just it's going to be interesting days ahead for sure. But uh, let's move on to the transfer rumors of Got the some week. rumors. Yeah. We two. Yeah, and so, you know, is... You know, the Darlington Nagby thing, is that an issue that's still ongoing? Apparently uh, so. Yeah, apparently so. So uh, Chris Furmeister of ProSoccerUSA.com, uh, he apparently asked uh, in the press uh, today, or in the the, um, the press scrum with uh, Darlington Nagby, that, uh, you know, yeah, Matt Doyle talked about, yeah, you might see that uh, a Nagby still uh, have a chance of moving on. Uh, Nagby was like, uh, and I quote, honest answer, I don't know. I'm just showing up, playing. Maybe that's a question for the club. It's a very non-committal answer for sure and worrying, I think. But also, if you look at it in a positive light, it's like, I mean, does, he does not saying that he wants to leave, so that's good. Might um, just be the default, I'm not going to say anything answer because he yeah. can't commit to it because if he does get traded, then he right. kind of looks like a dick. But if not... He leaves the door open. So it's player right. speak. My thing right now is trading Darlene to Nagby would be absolutely yeah. insane yeah. because he's one of the best players at being able to move the ball in a possession system. Without him in this team, I cannot even begin to imagine yeah. how much more well, we'd be frustrated with, with the oh, performances. Because, sure. yeah, I think you would see what it would look like uh, it was against Herediano. So uh, yeah. that was uh, not fun. So but, uh, another little interesting rumor, Pity Martinez back to River? Yeah, that's uh, that's some crazy stuff maybe, but uh, yes, the source is, uh, uh, hold on, give me a second, Doble Amarillo, there we go, and uh, yeah, Marcelo Gallardo of uh, River Plate, the manager, he's apparently, you know, good, why wouldn't they be? They, they're good friends, uh, Pity Martinez and Marcelo Gallardo, and uh, they talk on a weekly basis apparently. And yeah, I mean, he has an idea that he wants to bring him back. He's kind of vying for the directors to make that move. Uh, whether PT actually asks for a move or not is completely unknown. Um, yeah, but I'm giving this zero yeah, credibility. The feasibility of it is, they're still gonna analyze it. And apparently, uh, according to the article, the next month is going to be key. So 
yes, no. with full uh, disclosure there that yes, uh, these type of sources tend to kind of uh, get a little crazy with their rumors. And so uh, I wouldn't, I would say it's kind of between a take it with a grain of salt and um, you know, whatever larger grain of salt that is. But uh, I just, I think it's not it the most no plausible. Yeah, it yeah. makes no sense. I mean, why but, would you pay 15-ish or so million right, for a guy only to right send him back, whether it be on a loan? <laughs> I don't think they can afford to buy him back. Exactly. So, because they use that money, I'm pretty sure, to pay for their team. Right. So where would they get that financially? For PT Martinez, that's basically saying, well, I have no aspirations to go to Europe because if you didn't do anything in MLS yeah. and you took a step back to Argentina, what team in Europe is going to come get you because you failed in Major League Soccer? Mm -hmm. So I personally don't put a lot of credence into right. it. Things have kind of been not and, a great start. So right. let's give him some time and see what can happen. Right. And also, Dolby Amarillo, they mentioned, yes, uh, he wasn't quite uh, getting assimilated in uh, the United States yet. And Have you seen LGP's cookouts? Exactly. That's right? just like Argentina, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Dobo, I mean, it's like, yeah, hell yeah. Um, you know, if you have that, I mean, it's. You know, it's not the closest thing. I mean, you don't have your wife and kid, but I mean, hopefully it's, they can get here soon. Exactly. That probably I would think, help a lot. That's uh, apparently there is a rumor that they uh, apparently are. Uh, that's not confirmed yet, so don't quote me on that. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, at, at least if they're in town, and you know, having people, your family definitely makes them exactly. feel like home a whole lot more. Right. And I, some people uh, asked in the comments like, why didn't they? Uh, you know, they do it sooner. But that's the thing. It's you know, all the immigration rules and all yeah, immigration stuff rules, like and especially yeah, the the wife uh, not being a wife until like last week, um, and then you have kind of just uprooting your entire life. I mean, you know, imagine that, like you going to, you know, a India. new country where you don't speak the language yeah. and having to and assimilate immediately. And with I mean, the their food daughter, difference and new all that school, type of stuff, yeah. all that kind of. Well, how old is the daughter? Yeah, it's, she's very young. Okay, well, very, very that's a plan and you have to have her learning a new language, which is good. I mean, right, but they don't know the language. It's, yeah, I mean, I being, uh, you know, a son of immigrant parents myself, yeah, I mean, you know, they definitely had some trouble at least, uh, you know, speaking English with me initially. They've definitely learned now, but it's, yeah, there still is always, uh, you know, they don't know the schoolwork even. Like, that's, there's a ton of things that go into when uh, you go to a new country, and especially if, yeah, you know, you're just there alone. Yeah, it's uh, gonna be just crazy. But, big challenge, either way, give the man some time. Indeed, indeed. Uh, and quickly to touch on Atlanta United 2, they had the week off and are gonna play Wednesday night against the Tampa Bay Rowdies, so good luck to them. And uh, yeah, they've also set out a whole slew of theme nights. Uh, no doubt to get you to the stadium, and so check out all, all those. They have some really fun ones, and I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it adds to a little bit of the uh, the dynamic of uh, the kind of Atlanta United experience for sure. But let's move on to the mailbag. You guys send in these questions through IG Story. Please continue to do so, and we may answer your question in the future. First question comes from P Magnus N. When should I start to panic about this team? Will this be the lost season? Also, a similar question. Uh, Joe Zerd is. <laughs> that's my best crack at that one. Uh, yeah, that's my, I don't know. Uh, and how much longer do you give FDB before being sacked? I mean, it's a really interesting thing because yeah. MLS is a very peculiar league where you can go from first to worst to first very, very quickly. 
Um, I believe the last team to repeat as MLS Cup champions was the LA Galaxy, but that team featured a Beckham and a Donovan. So that will do something. But uh, it's a very interesting situation because you brought Frank DeBoer in on a long contract to build something out. It would not shock me if Atlanta had struggled and tripped their way through this season only to come back next year and absolutely blow the doors off people. That's one of those weird quirks about MLS. It's a very peculiar league that doesn't really function like everything else. So could it be a lost season? Yes. Could it turn around next year be incredible? Yes. Could it turn I, around this season? It'd be uh, incredible. Yeah, yes. It, it would be, um, you know, we would have to take kind of uh, the unprecedented run that a Seattle Sounders had. Um, but you, you don't know. have to win the Supporters' Shield and you finish don't. first to win MLS Cup. So if this team manages to figure itself out and gets hot, who right. knows? We could still, we could look back in November and be like, wow, we were all crazy because Atlanta just won its second MLS Cup. Right. We don't know. There is so much going on right now. The players are frustrated. The coach is frustrated. The front office is frustrated. Yeah. They know that. They're trying to get somewhere. Yeah. And I don't really think there's a great answer because who there, knows? There is an end, but the, the case is, though, and the fact is, is that we're a fourth of the season gone. And so, you know, that is, yes, you know, a big chunk of the season that uh, through that we only have five points. I mean, it's, yeah, not exactly the most encouraging out the gate, of course, but yes, uh, you know, there have been epic turnarounds. I think you just have to hope if that is the case, but I think uh, the expectations have to be lowered now. Um, you know, especially from what Darren Eels and the front office have said, I think everybody, yeah, they've definitely backtracked on that as well. They've, uh, you know, preached more patience as well. And I think for our sanity, for, you know, that, I, I think we almost have to buy into that as well. Uh, but while still keep a critical eye on what, you know, the whole club as a whole is doing, because yes, I mean, you know, we should expect more because, yeah, I think we have proven that, you know, when, uh, you know, you put a gr good product on the field, we show out. And not only that, if it's a bad product, we should probably still try to back the team as well. But, uh, you know, there is only for so long. If it starts to be a pattern, then of course. If you just keep course. losing games, then, yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, next question comes from Nichols Odeon. In this loss, did we learn how integral Eric Rometty is to the team? I think, uh, yeah, to a degree, he is, um, you know, important, very, very important. But also, I mean, I, I think it's also, you know, Lorenowitz does offer a different dynamic that um, you know, Eric Rometty does not have that is also helpful. And so, you know, while he may be, um, you know, lauded by some and also maybe slated by some, I think... He's kind of somewhere in between where, uh, yes, he may have affected some of the play, but I think largely on a whole, I mean, you know, the, the play really kind of superseded him. It, yeah. He really wouldn't have affected too much outside of that. Yeah, I don't know if this is the match where it's like, you definitely missed Eric Rometty because there was so much of the ball and Lorenowitz is the perfect guy to kind of recycle that possession and yeah. pass it back around. Rometty gives you a lot of energy in running, but... 
it was Dallas sitting so deep that yeah. there's not really much I don't think he could have influenced as far right. as that goes. And in terms of creativity, he is a little bit more creative than a Jeff Lerwitz. But yeah, I mean, in terms of recycling the ball, he's definitely you know not a Jeff Lerwitz. But you know, and especially in the air, you know, not that either. But I think uh, you know he's an important player. Exactly. But I don't think this is a game that necessarily would have highlighted how important he is to this team. Right. Next question comes from Mito Ni. It's funny. Uh, with the lack of depth at left wing back, was the Gammon Tam worth trading Garza for? Hindsight's 2020, I guess. Yeah. When you look back, I don't think he would have expected this. You got to remember that he has spent some time on the injury table already for FC yeah. Cincinnati this season. So it would have been kind of similar situation. Yeah, that was one of the big reasons why you traded him because yeah. there's not a highly unlikely possibility that had he stayed in Atlanta, that he would not be injured again. That's one of those things that's a recurring problem. Don't get me wrong, I love Greg Garza, yeah. and if he's fit and running up and down the left, Atlanta United is a better team for yeah. it, but they kind of hedged their bets on that, and mm -hmm. it wasn't the worst decision in the world, and unfortunately, yes, is it biting you in the ass right now? It is, but again, hindsight's twenty twenty. You and never could have known. Exactly, and you can't guess injuries, well, maybe, maybe to Mikey Ambrose where he kind of already had that, uh, that injury, and he's kind of had slight histories of that. But, um, you know, and then, of course, George Bello with the groin injury that keeps him out for most of the year so far already. Niggle can just stay there for a very long exactly, time. Exactly, because it's a, you know, it's part of the, the kicking motion. And, you know, if it just, you know, tweaks just a little bit, you're back to square one a little bit. And, you know, so he's been working with coaches outside of that. Uh, apparently, he's, uh, you know, getting back with the team, but not to full, full training. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see about that. But... Uh, next question comes from Keaton Thomas 61 against Colorado who in your minds needs to step up and show out to get us three points uh, the whole team is that a is that it a, might be a cop-out answer, is that a cop -out answer? Yeah. but I mean I just I don't want to get too much into this because we do have the match preview in a little bit yeah. but if I had to highlight one individual player I'm going to say Joseph Martinez mm. because I feel that when he gets his chances and he scores and he gives that mean face, it kind of energizes everyone because sure. he's your man, man. He's your yeah. talisman. When he's uh -huh. firing, I think everyone behind him is confident because they know all we got to do is get this guy the ball and he's going to uh -huh. put it in the back of the net. So if he can find form, uh -huh. I think a lot of Atlanta's problems might start melting away because he's just such a force of personality in terms of on the pitch that when he gets going, there's not much that can really stop him or Atlanta United. Yeah, for me, I think uh, it's LGP if he starts, because yeah, I mean, with the mistakes that he had that were a big part of uh, why we conceded those two goals, it kind of undermined the attack a little bit because yeah, we don't get that momentum and it allows Dallas to kind of shithouse their way around the match. And so if he can keep his head, if he can, um, you know, Maybe at least uh, keep a clean uh, book of record, then I think uh, it bodes much better for Atlanta United. And so I think that at least uh, kind of lets the attack be the attack and uh, puts less pressure on them and puts less onus on this strike needs to be perfect and it needs to go in the net uh, every single time I, I uh, strike a ball. Like, yeah, like the less of that that happens, the better. But uh, last question comes from Joshua Rutledge. How empty can the Bens get if we continue this bad run? 
That's not something I want to think about, uh, but... I'm not actually worried about it. There's so no. many people that I interact with on a daily basis mm -hmm. that want to go to matches but can't either afford to or or just they just don't have the chance to. So yeah. if people stop going, just put your tickets up for sale. People will buy them. I think there's still a large demand for people to go and see this team mm -hmm. and just don't complain when the team starts turning things around and you're not at the matches anymore because clearly if you can't stick with them when they're poor, yeah. how can you really deserve to enjoy the success when they're good? It's true, it's true. So uh, guys, that does it for Mailbag. Thank you for sending those questions in, guys. And that gets us to the Wasteman of the Week. Jose Luis Gonzalez. You are a certified Wasteman for many, many reasons. Did you guys know that he already has three yellow cards this season for time wasting? 12 in his career. Taylor Twelman called him out on air for faking injuries repeatedly. So don't feel bad at United fans. It's not just us, it's everyone. And for me, it's really frustrating because you have a keeper who is incredibly talented, as we saw, who has the maturity of a three-year-old on the pitch. There is a way to professionally waste time, but to fake injuries, especially head injuries. Yeah. That's an issue. Yeah. That's a that's a massive uh, kind of FU to the uh, kind of concussion things that have been happening not only in soccer or football or just every sport in the world pretty much is dealing with concussion things. And for you to feign an injury to your head to take advantage of that because you know that they're going to take you some time. a lot of time. Yeah, that it's that is that's garbage. Yeah, despicable, especially at a position where he gets to stay on the pitch. Right, exactly. So it's very difficult to just you know, you know, red card the keeper for uh, doing that or anything like that. I mean, I think you know with. It probably deserved a yellow sooner, and then I think, especially at that point, I mean, it should have it's been. It's ridiculous. It should have been. The, he's going. He's the closest player to a suspension for FC Dallas right now. Yeah, that's just just because of time wasting. So time wasting, waste man of the week, Jose Luis Gonzalez. I am so angry with you, but I would also love to have you at Atlanta United. And in, I'm not gonna lie, to have a keeper, minus the time wasting bits of that talent on the ball. I'm not gonna lie, he wouldn't be bad between the sticks. But if you're not playing for my team and you're gonna continue to disrespect the game in the way that you're doing, yeah, piss off, buddy. Wasteman of the week. Indeed, indeed. But uh, guys, that gets us to our match preview and it's Colorado Rapids and it's Saturday the 27th at 6 p.m. at the Benz. And I think this is the epitome of a must win match. If there ever was one, it pretty much is the definition. Because if we win, yes, it is the expected. We should, we should win. Um, if we don't put in the performance, then there's gonna be a lot of questions asked. Uh, if we don't get a result, then oh my God, it's gonna be uh, not not the little dog in the meme where this is fine with the fire and flames around him. It will not be fine. It will not be fine. It will not be okay. It will be full on Diablo fire. Everything's Melt. on Everything fire. Everything the world is ending because, yeah. and, and to be fair, <laughs> things might turn around after that, but I'm going to be furious if Atlanta do not get a result right. this weekend. They've played two matches against Colorado. Colorado has yet to score a goal past Atlanta United. Colorado has also been shipping goals for fun. In their last four matches, they've shipped at least three goals in each match. Three twice and four twice. Yeah. They are not good defensively. Mm. This is a team that is there for the taking. This sets up perfectly for Atlanta United to exercise all the demons it's had this year by going out and absolutely taking a team to task. Right. And I think, you know, the expectations hopefully... I mean, they may be that high because they have to be, but you know, if they don't, 
then is it a you know damned performance where uh yeah i mean you know it, it really is a lose-lose type of situation they they have to they have to you get have to, this a is this is the, they have to get a w this is the worst team in major league <laughs> soccer for the past few years and you're playing them at home score a goal early and this team will fold like a house of cards yeah. give away a goal early and everyone is going to be pissed and have the right to boo because again, really, this game has to be a game that Atlanta United finally puts together a complete performance. It's not just, it's like you said, it's not just a win. Colorado is not good at all. Like I've said, you have to win and play well. If you can't win and play well at home against the Colorado Rapids, what are you gonna do against a good team? Yep. God forbid we had to play LAFC this week. Mm -hmm. You have Colorado. This is, the, again, the perfect chance for you to turn around and get things heading in the right direction. Yep. You needed nine points out of the past three matches, including this one. You have three already. Now you have to get the next three because then you're gonna have Toronto, you're gonna have Kansas City on the road, you're gonna have Orlando at home, which is turning out to be a much bigger game than we thought at the beginning of the season. And you're gonna have a bottom of the table scrap with Red Bulls. So. But that's not going to be an easy game because it's in New York or New Jersey against a team that always beats you there. Right. So you're not exactly in a position where you can afford to drop more points, especially against a team of this quality. Right. And so the lack of quality really, I think, is uh, really the highlight here. But uh, they are good on set pieces. They do come back from losing positions. So they you know, will be kind of frustrating probably to some degree because, yeah, they uh, kind of can attack some of the, the weaknesses in, in terms of some set pieces for us at times. Um, they're great at aerial duels as well. And so, you know, it's something that, you know, we will need to be uh, wary of. But we, I think, are better off this year in that regard because of uh, a Miles Robinson more in tow and... Um, you know, if uh, Jeff Lerowitz is playing in this match, then, you know, it might be a little bit uh, mitigated uh, to a degree. But, yeah, they definitely are uh, really, really bad at defense. So. They've lost eight out of their last ten games on the road in MLS. <laughs> yeah. And they concede almost three goals a game this season in MLS. They conceded four at Orlando in a game where they basically got kicked in the chest at the very end of the game. Uh -huh. I mean, this is not a good team. I cannot stress this enough. Yeah. No disrespect. They have some canny operators in this mm -hmm. team. I mean, they yeah. have Kai Kamara. Mm -hmm. He's been around the league and won a golden boot. They have a Benny Fellhaber. Same thing. He's been around the league. These guys know what they're doing and know how to dig out results. But right. the players around them... Yeah. Not so much. Also, uh, Diego Rubio, who's, uh, you know, uh, not in the best form, maybe. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think a decent player as well. He can well. offer a threat from out wide. He, right. He's the type of guy that can play that through ball that you yeah. saw us concede from this past week, which right. is kind of a terrifying bit about yeah. him. And, of course, Tim Howard, uh, you know, it might be his last MLS match in Atlanta. And so we don't want to see a vintage Tim Howard at no. all. I want to see a reason why it's yeah. his last MLS performance yeah. or last MLS match in Atlanta. I mean, that no disrespect to the man. I still love right. him for all the saves he made against Belgium back in the 2014 right. World Cup. Yeah. But on Saturday, I hope he can't save a single shot that goes at his net. Yep, yep. He's uh, he's on our team, so I want us to put as many goals as we can past him. And that's kind of one of the keys to this match is how are we going to finish? And, you know, in terms of our chances, we have to put these away. And especially against the leaky defense, it's very, very important. 
They're but, going to uh, struggle to keep hold of the ball. Yeah. Atlanta is probably going to have more possession this week than yeah. they had against Dallas. They're probably going to have more possession this game than they've had in almost any game they've ever played. Yeah, I won't they be surprised have, if, it's oh, if it's over high 80. 70s. I think it's going to be. It could be over 80. It could be oh, 80. Man. I mean, that's insane. No, no. This is the type of game. Colorado is going to uh -huh. sit there and make sure they don't concede. That's the only, if Colorado and even tries to, then, they're still going to concede. concede. If they try to play an so, open game, they're going to get taken to pieces because there will be space for Atlanta to yeah. attack into. Yeah. Atlanta United has to be aggressive from the get-go. It cannot be, let's wait till later in the match to go for the jugular. Atlanta United has to come out and come out guns blazing, pressing them high as a team, as a unit, and going at them. But the question for me is, who starts in some of these positions? Who yeah. starts at right back? Is PT Martinez gonna play? Yeah. Who starts at center back? Is LGP gonna get dropped? Right. There are so many question marks after this Dallas game mm -hmm. that need to be answered in this match. Right, and as of uh, Tuesday, which is when we're filming this, uh, at least for the injury report, Eric Rometty has returned to training, uh, full training, and so that's good. Uh, that at least puts him in, uh, you know, at least for selection. Uh, and you also have George Bellow, of course, as we just mentioned, that uh, you know is kind of working his way back, and so uh, that leads us to it. Then, I mean, in terms of your predicted eleven, what do you think? I think he's going to go with a four-three-three-one because he needs to get more attackers higher up the pitch. I want to see Barco in the ten. He is so far doing his best Miguel Almiron impersonation. He's mm -hmm. the one player who can get the ball on the turn and run at the opposition defense and make yeah. things happen. Uh -huh. He's feeling more confident. Next to him, I think you're gonna see Julian Gressel on the right. On the left, that's where it gets interesting because if a team sits deep and if he's match fit, I want to see PT Martinez start. Mm -hmm. If there's a match that sets up perfectly for him to get a goal, to start showing what he came to Atlanta and what he came to MLS for, yep. this is a match that's built for him because mm -hmm. that, not Dallas, Colorado is going to sit deep. You need that technical player who has the key to unlock a defense. I think he's a player that would fit perfectly into that. Yeah. On the fullback side of things, which is where I think things get really interesting, if Franco Escobar's fit, he better damn well start at right back. Mm -hmm. Left back, I think Breck Shea is gonna be pretty much your only option. Mm -hmm. Center back, I don't think he's gonna drop LGP, unfortunately. Uh, LGP probably deserves to get dropped after that last match. Robinson, Guzan, and then your two midfielders gotta be Nagby for one. Mm -hmm. And I think you gotta keep Lorenowitz in there because Rometty's not fully fit. You need someone uh -huh. who can sit there and kind of shield the middle of that middle of the park. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's a 4-2-3-1. He's gotta get players higher at the pitch. He's gotta create chances. He's gotta get players in the box. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with that. Yeah, uh, for me, it's fairly similar. I agree with you on uh, the 4-2-3-1. Uh, yeah, getting the attackers higher up the pitch is pretty vital for this. Uh, and so, yeah, that front four, I think it's exactly the same for me, but I think it's the back line. It's, yeah, Escobar seemingly uh, has uh, been practicing as well. And if so, he's fit, he's got to play, Yeah, right? exactly. And uh, so for me, though, uh, who actually gets dropped? Well, LGP, yes, like you were saying, and I agree, he uh, probably should be dropped for this match to at least, you know, you want to see what type of uh, performance uh, he would put if he does get benched after a really bad performance. Like, and if what he needed would... to bring someone in for a match, yeah. Colorado's kind of the one. Yeah, it's one that you could. Um, but uh, since he was making those forays on the left, and you know, you kind of uh, see him. I mean, yeah, he was kind of making uh, some really good chances on the attacking side. I would put him as the left back. I mean, it's okay. insane. 
But, you know, I think hey, at this point... Hey, it's interesting. At this point, why yeah, the hell not, right? Exactly. Against a team like this, you're, you know, he is, uh, you know, he's not the quickest, but he can defend on the wing a little bit. Um, yeah, I have LGP as a left back. I have uh, Parkey as the left center back, and then Miles Robinson as that right center back. So, uh, for me, still, um, you know, a little bit more uh, solid at this point in the middle uh, with cooler heads, maybe. And, um, you know, we'll kick on from there and hope that uh, we can get the result that we want, which is, what do you think? I'm going to be very bullish. I haven't been bullish yet this year, but I feel so strongly that if you cannot put this team to the sword, you are not in a great place, and DeBoer will really slide a lot. I will not have many excuses to give him if they cannot go and secure a result against this team. I'm going for a 4-0. This team's not good. Let's put some goals past them. Let's see some of the old Atlanta United. This is the team that you can do it against. Put a marker down. Let's kick on. Let's put the stupidity of this season behind us and start picking up some points and getting yeah. some results. I'm going for a 4-0 win for Atlanta United. Yeah, I love that. Um, I can't be as uh, bullish as you are, but um, and I think it's just because, yeah, I mean, you know, yes, we kind of saw that we were lacking in our finishing and I think it still is slightly going to be there a little bit but I think uh you know we can still pull out a 2-0 win and so with that I mean that's still um you know seeing a couple of guys uh hopefully our attackers put the ball in the back of the net I think will do wonders for the confidence uh hopefully they are colossals and uh they will hopefully one's a PT Martinez banger exactly that would be fantastic that's Indeed. one of my four goals is yeah. a PT banger PT Banger, uh, Barco hopefully. Banger, and, two, and a brace for Joseph. I'd be cool oh, with that. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, I think, yeah, I think Tito needs to see, see the back of the net. Maybe he comes on later. And okay, five now. I'm all about it. <laughs> perfect, perfect. But uh, that does it for our match preview, and it gets us to our question of the day. Pretty straightforward, guys. Is the Colorado Rapids match a must win game for Frank DeBoer and his tenure at Atlanta United? Get down in the comments below and let us know what you guys think, along with your score predictions. That's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening.